It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello and welcome to the Jewess patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier... Women Jewish Activist, You Don't Have to Be Jewish with Cindy. And I want to thank you all for tuning in this Sunday morning on WGBB. And if you're streaming it anytime, anywhere internationally, through iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Jewish Podcast out of Jerusalem, Israel. And I hope you enjoy the show and listen to it and share it with your friends. I'm very excited about today's show, and I'm going to start it off with my pearls of wisdom because I am Zisel Perel, which means sweet pearl in Yiddish. And the show is being sponsored by the Freshwater Pearl Company because their pearls are real. They're for real housewives, real activists, and real people like you who are learning, entertaining, and joining our community. So I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the headlines in the news that involve Israel and the Jewish people. Not the ones you think I'm going to talk about that the fake news wants to share, but about some of the other things that are going on. For example, did you know that Congressman Hakeem Jeffries is leading a group of about 20 Democratic congressmen in Israel right now? It's quite amazing. They'll have all these great photo ops. They will visit all the historic places. They will sit down and shake hands and have meals with uh, Knesset members and the prime minister and the president. And yet, here's the reality. Bibi has still not been invited to the White House formally. And And let's face it. If he is going to be invited and actually go, it's an afterthought at this point, considering Israel and the United States are the strongest allies in the Middle East. I'd love to see what response the uh, congressmen have when they come back, because I really want to see how some of those progressives are going to be able to claim friendship with Israel and support of the squad. I also want to see how people react when they come home in regard to the 2024 congressional races. Because let's face it, Republicans are now in the majority by 10 seats. The economy is bad. Oil prices went up this week. Our safety and security is making headlines everywhere. It's no longer just democratic cities. It's suburbs. It's upstate. It's downstate. And people are very, very concerned. 
So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens after this trip. Not so much what goes on during the trip, but what's going to happen afterwards and what the headlines will be and who is going to share the headlines. I'd also like to talk a little bit about social media because social media and anti-Semitism really made too many headlines this week. I've been saying it for a while, and I hope people are really listening now. Don't just repost on Instagram stories or Facebook or Twitter and then share it out to your friends. What looks good without really knowing what it's about. It's happening way too often. And it happened to Jennifer Aniston this week. People who keep posting and allying themselves with people who talk about anti-Semitism, even if they apologize, you got to start to think about if they really are friends to the Jewish people, whether or not we should be supporting them. You know, if you're going to get anything out of the SAG uh, after strike that's going on in Hollywood, the writer's strike, now the actors in strike. It's time to reinvent your entertainment. Some of your entertainment is too violent. It's really exposing things that you don't want your children to know. It's really wasting your time in a lot of ways. I see so many people that have used Facebook as their real entertainment and think that strangers who like a post are their friends. Let's talk about another headline that's making news. This weather, this hot, hot weather, this muggy weather, and then these big rains. Can you think of a summer that's had this kind of weather? You know, we always say it's right before Rosh Hashanah. It's a month before, very soon. And we look to our future. And perhaps we're getting messages from our God. Maybe he's telling us to think and appreciate what we have when we have nice weather. So that we don't go to extremes either way, either too wet with heavy rain or too hot with the sun. And that's my real pearls of wisdom with for you. Don't go crazy extreme either way, because it's never the way to win. We have a very exciting show this week. The show is featuring the anniversary of the Abraham Accords with people who were very involved both in front and behind the scenes. Two books that are bestsellers you could get on Amazon that are both easy reads with very interesting little tidbits you don't know and that you don't get from a radio interview or from the headlines in the newspaper. So sit back, stay tuned, and let's celebrate. We have a lot to be happy about. We are alive. We are well. We are all together. And we're going to get through everything better than you expect.
Welcome back. Joining us now are both of the authors of the best-selling book, Because It's Just... It, I'm sorry. Let me start again. Welcome back. Joining us now are both of the authors of the brand new book that you could purchase through Amazon, Because It's Just Right, the untold backstory of the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital and the moving of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. And on the show featuring the anniversary of the Abraham Accords, I can't be more honored to have my friends join me because they were with me. Uh, Farley was definitely with me in Jerusalem. He's been with me at many historic events in America, including when they honor me at National Council of Young Israel as their Ashish Chayel. And joining us also is the co-author, Lena Grunstein. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to be part of this special show because I know that the embassy moved to Jerusalem and the Abraham Accords are very important to you. And you have a great book at that really goes into a lot of historical detail from the Bible to the 1995 Jerusalem Embassy Act to the backstories of the Trump administration. So which one of you would like to start us off? Well, I could start off first since Cindy, I was, you know, I attended the embassy opening and I remember you being there at the same event. And so there's not too many people I remember actually at the event itself that people say they were there, but I actually remember us uh, talking there and being there for that extraordinary event of where really uh, history changed. And, and, and what the book that we wrote goes about that because it's just and right is the reason for the title is that was Senator Kyle who did the Jerusalem Embassy legislation in 1995, gave us his answers. Why is he pushing this when he's not Jewish? And he said, because it's in America's interest and because it's just and right. And that's how we came up with the title of the book. And that was a decision that President Trump made, that Mike Huckabee said when he asked him, right after you made the decision, why did you do this? And he goes, because it's the right decision to do. And so the book doesn't just say that. It's uh, talk about the history of why it was the right uh, of it of the decision in the Jerusalem Embassy Act in 95 all the way through to today. But it goes all the way back from biblical times and discusses that the Jews were the indigenous people, that it was their land and it was taken away from them. And now the Jews have the land back again. And that's what the book goes through and uh, does it in uh, great detail and uh, in fascinating detail as well. And uh, Lena, tell us a little bit about your feelings about doing this. You have so many great uh Historical chapters in the book from uh, the presidential waiver revisions and Senator John Kyle. And you go through so many different things, the Jericho resolutions of 1948. Tell us what this book meant to you, because I'm sure it took a lot of time and a lot of dedication. It did, but it was a joy, a real joy. And one of the most beautiful parts uh, was first going through uh, the papers that Farley brought by when we talked about doing this book and going through John Kyle's speeches and writings and the interviews because he's an amazing individual. And when he was running for the Senate, as Farley mentioned, they asked him, John, why are you so interested in this? Why is this so important to you? And he said, well, his priority for his first year in the Senate will be to pass a law that recognizes undivided Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and to move the embassy there. 
And they kept pressing him, but you're not Jewish. You don't even have a Jewish constituency. Why is this so important to you? And his answer was, because it's just and right. And he wasn't the only individual who expressed those feelings. There were all sorts of individuals all over the country. uh, And over time, because this took from the passage of the law in 1995 to the actual recognition and moving up the embassy there took over 20 years. And along the way, there were all sorts of individuals who played their part. And that theme resonated throughout the story. So when we talked about it, I said, and the book evolved for that reason, if John can say that, and so many people said the same thing, including, by the way, our governor here in Florida, who was a congressman at the time, uh, Governor DeSantis. Who was with uh, us in Israel, by the way. He was one of the 10 congressmen who came to the Jerusalem embassy and celebrated at all the big celebrations. So in November of two, actually earlier in 2017, he actually personally went to Israel to scout out locations for the embassy. And he, just like David Friedman independently, came up with the idea of using the uh, consulate building in Arnona to be the embassy. Uh, then in November of 2017, he held incredible hearings where he asked the State Department and he had witnesses uh, come and discuss the matter because he kept on saying, why hasn't this been done? And then a few weeks later, President Trump did it. And so the story is very important. And there are a lot of things along the way, including the classified State Department files, which are incredibly interesting and many are very troublesome because it it's the inner workings of the State Department. And I, it's uncanny how Truman's decision to recognize Israel and Trump's decision to recognize Jerusalem and move the embassy there. It was almost like a parallel replay story because the names of the characters may have been different, but they took almost the same positions when Truman had to make that fateful decision in 1948 and Trump made the decision in 2017. And the State Department players said almost the same things. It's it's almost funny to see it replayed that way because virtually nothing had changed in their consciousness and in their it's almost like they have a corporate culture and they all drink the same Kool-Aid because they they said virtually the same things. Uh, but these individuals made that decision courageously and it was the right one. And it was right because it was just and right. Well, we see today in 2023 in the news, there are top discussions about Russia and other countries looking to build uh, not their embassies, but to have some relationship in recognizing Jerusalem, but not the same thing as having their embassy. And since the Biden administration took office, there really hasn't been anybody discussing actually moving their embassy. I mean, I remember right after the American one, we were at the uh, embassy opening of Guatemala that was only a few blocks away. Many of us went over. 
And uh, there was a lot of talk and a lot of promise about more embassy openings. What is your feeling on that? The, uh, there are a couple other countries, uh, Serbia, there's, uh, I mean, with Kosovo, was it? Um, that, uh, that, and I think El Salvador and, um, Honduras that have also, uh, moved embassies to, uh, Jerusalem. And Russia is actually talking about moving an embassy to West Jerusalem and, uh, building one, having one there. So there are other countries doing it, but, but the Biden administration's, uh, President Biden was opposed to Trump's decision. And and they have uh, even tried to put a consulate for the Palestinian Authority in Jerusalem itself, uh, which would interfere in Israel's sovereignty and, and violate the Jerusalem Embassy Act. So it's a uh, it's a situation in which uh, they aren't pushing countries to do it, while the Trump administration was pushing countries to do it. And so there's a massive difference between uh, between them, and that's why you aren't seeing more countries. If the Trump administration uh, would have stayed in power, you would have seen in many more countries uh, move the embassy. And and it's uh, it's an important thing. I mean, you see Israel uh, increasing uh, relationships with these Arab countries, uh, which is warm pieces, unlike the previous Arab countries, which were cold pieces. It's a different world today because Israel is now an economic and military power, which they weren't before. When we met with David Friedman, he said something that was so beautiful. We actually quoted him in the book about it because it was something that special. He talked about the verses in Isaiah that everyone quotes, they'll beat their spears into plowshares and all the beautiful uh, references. But if you go back a few verses, there's an introduction. And what it says is peace will emanate from Jerusalem. So all this good stuff happened because we recognized Jerusalem as the capital. And that changed the calculus of thinking by a lot of countries who were concerned because they wondered, is America a trustworthy ally? Uh, you know, we talk about loyalty uh, and it's not something uh, that's just a given. It's something that has to be earned. And in that moment, people saw that America could be trusted. Now, the law helped because once done, it really can't be undone. And maybe some of the Biden people thought about it, but legally they couldn't accomplish it. And so it's stuck. And the result is a lot of countries have woken up and said, America is a worthy ally. And look at all the good that came from the nexus of sponsorship by America of the Abram Accords. Because you know what? Everybody who did it is doing very well. And right. that kind of enlightenment self-interest is sustainable. And I think it will ultimately result in an agreement with Saudi Arabia and it will bring many countries together because the stronger those bonds are, the more reliable those bonds are, the more the forces, instead of being centripetal and pushing everyone away, are centrifugal and pull everyone in. And so Netanyahu coined a very nice phrase. He called it the circle of peace. And it is. It's like this is the nucleus. The nucleus is the strength of the American-Israel relationship. And that pulls everyone in because they all want to be a part of it. And they see that they benefit from being a part of that relationship. Well, from other guests and from other discussions we've had in the past on this show, first of all, I think people recognized, especially in the Biden, uh, I'm sorry, in the Trump administration, 
the importance of Judeo-Christian values. And we never saw so much visible uh collating among Jews and non-Jews, especially those that are strong Zionist. And it's really something that resonates today, especially from people who are more conservative and you know, Republican who really recognize with what's going on with this woke society that it is important for Christian Zionist and Jewish Zionist to unite and have a, a strong Israel for their history and also for democracy. Uh, we find that a lot. And a lot of your listeners are learning a lot about this who aren't Jewish and can appreciate this all because most of the people involved in this really were not Jewish but they believed in the state of Israel and they have strong relationships with American Jewish, whether it's their constituents, whether it's their extended family and neighbors, but they all were able to build on this because of their friendships and relationships at first. The thing is, Cindy, is that there's a very important point you made. And so mainly people who are not Jewish, you know, in the Truman White House, the discussion was Clark Clifford and John Marshall and uh, George Marshall, what was it? George Marshall. George Marshall. Marshall. And in the discussion, Clark Clifford said it's in the United States interest to have a democracy in the Middle East. And George Marshall had no response. And and what you have is that today Israel's a top ten military power, a top economic power. It's so obviously in the United States interest to have a great relationship with Israel. The people who are opposed to that, it's just, it's just people who are contrary to the US interest. And that's why the Republican Party has never been so pro Israel as they are today. And that's part of the book is that the Senator John Kyle and uh, Ron DeSantis and President Trump, that these people all were led the efforts. It wasn't uh, it wasn't Jewish people in the Senate that led the effort, but Senator Kyle led the effort. Joe Lieberman supported it, but Senator Kyle was the leader on it. And it wasn't. And when when Congressman DeSantis, then Congressman, now Governor DeSantis was in Congress, he was the leader in Congress, not members of the Jewish community. It was DeSantis who led the efforts members of legislation. And then President Trump made the decision. And uh, and that was because they did it because it was obviously in the U.S. interest to do it. What's fascinating is, is that those people who are so-called experts thought it would be a disaster and lead to violence and war. And these people were experts at failing in Middle East diplomacy. But when President Trump did this decision, it's led to this peace in the Abraham Accords. They misread Newton Rockne. He didn't say it's practice, practice. He says it's good practice. They keep practicing mistakes. Doesn't help much. Well, the book is filled with recommendations and endorsements from people like Mike Huckabee, who you mentioned, Alan Dershowitz. Tell us some of the other people that recommend your book and read it and uh, were part of it. Well, Senator Kyle, Senator John Kyle, um, so I was a volunteer working with his office in 1995 during the Jerusalem Embassy legislation. He did the forward for the book. And his national security advisor, Janine Esperne, who led his staff on the efforts for the embassy legislation, also did a blurb for the book. And then also we had a blurbs from uh, Senator Joe Lieberman, who worked with Senator Kyle. And I saw him at the embassy opening in Jerusalem as well and got a picture with him there. And then also we have David Friedman, Ambassador Friedman, did a set Carl did a must read the book and he did a blurb for us as well. And then we also have um, blurbs from Stuart Force, who's the father of Taylor Force from the Taylor Force Act, because we talk about the fighting against terrorism and how important. And he said this really, if he would have helped him during the Taylor Force Act negotiations, understand the problems of, uh, of the failed Middle East policies of these administrations and how they're biased against Israel. And then also we have, 
uh, Arnold Roth, whose daughter Malky Roth was killed in the Sabaro Pizza terrorist attack. And he wrote a blurb for our book as well. Because we talk about the fact that this woman, Al Tamimi, who's been in uh, uh, Jordan as treated as a hero there, was involved, was a, like the ringleader of the Sabaro Pizza terrorist attack and treated as a hero there and is on the FBI most wanted list. And yet nothing is being done by the United States by Jordan saying no to their extradition requests. And, and, um, and so we have those people, um, and also, uh, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg from the Bogotown Synagogue, Rabbi Stephen Przyansky, who now is in Israel, was in, 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 uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, and, uh, Dr. Rabbi Dr. Joe Frager also did a blurb, and, uh, and Professor Mark Lickbach, who was, uh, the political, head of political science department. The chairman of the political science department at the University of Maryland, and of course, Janine Esperning. Yeah, and also, and then even uh, um, we're going to put online uh, Professor David Dallin, who did uh, books on the uh, uh, Jewish Supreme Court justices and other historical major Jewish historian has done a blurb for us that we're going to put online uh, on our website. Well, it sounds incredible. Go ahead. Go ahead. What we do is go through uh, classical religion uh, in both Christian and Muslim, and we also go, of course, through Judaism. And all of the religions classically are united in support of the fact that the Jews are the people of Israel and, and are entitled to Sabi of Israel, uh, whether it's the Quran, the New Testament, the Old Testament. There's no disagreement, although Pastor Hagee was really cool. Uh, his view was, look, we all believe the Jews are supposed to be in Israel, he goes. Uh, in the end of the day, somebody will have to make a theological adjustment. But there's agreement that this is the land of the Jewish people. Uh, where it goes off the rails is what I call political theology, where theological, where theological Statements are made that are really political statements, and they distort the religion. So, for example, classic Muslim scholars uh, have said in no uncertain terms, whether uh, it's uh, uh, Al-Tabari in the 9th century, Al-Wasidi in the 11th century, uh, 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 Ibn Tamiyah in the 13th, 14th century, uh, all of them have said in no uncertain terms, that Israel belongs to the Jewish people. In fact, uh, Tamir is really cool. He goes, uh, uh, and anyone who believes uh, that the Temple Mount is anything other than holy to the Jewish people, uh, he goes, please, you, you're ignorant. You just don't know history. You don't know theology. Uh, to the Muslim community, Mecca is the most important. And saying that uh, you want to uh, make the Temple Mount holy is like saying you want to embrace the Shabbat on Shabbat. And it's not our day and it's not our place. So it's very interesting in terms of the classical world. Now we come to all these political ideologues and they distort the religion to suit their purposes. And you can see that throughout history. And one of the real heroes, uh, uh, the, the Caliph Omar, he was the one who conquered uh, Israel and Jerusalem from the Byzantines. Now, the Byzantines were characters. 
they invented uh, what amounts to what we call replacement theology or supersessionism, where they say they're the new chosen people. And therefore, they try to erase any history of the Jews in Israel. So they made the Temple Mount into a garbage dump and and it was awful. So now when Omar comes to Jerusalem because he beat the Byzantines, by the way, much fewer soldiers against greater numbers. Uh, and uh, it's something the Byzantines found difficult to uh, to live down because they claim to be invincible as the new chosen people. So Omar asks uh, his sidekick, uh, Kab. Kab was a Yemenite rabbi who had converted to Islam. And he says, okay, Kab, where is your place of the temple? And Kab said, well, I got to do some measurements because he couldn't see it. It was all covered over. And uh, he says, all right, we dig here. He goes, okay, so let's dig. And they uncover the foundation stone, which is said to be the place where uh, was the Holy of Holies, uh, Holies was located. Uh, and we have to wrap this up because we have to go oh, to sorry. the commercial. I want to no let problem. everybody know the book is because it's just and right. Farley Weiss and Leonard Grunstein wrote this. You've got to read this. It's really a very quick read with a lot of information. Perfect for the month right before Rosh Hashanah as people get ready to rethink and and start anew in their new year. And I hope to see you guys in person soon when we promote this. I have a great picture of you with me, Farley, at the embassy opening. All right. Yeah, I so we'll that, do buddy. that. And thank you for joining the Jewess Patriot. Bye. Thank you. Thank so you. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pearl Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and design. You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterpearlcompany.com. Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business. Welcome back. Our next guest was on the show when we first started, and we were a little show. And Arie Lightstone is a friend. He is a best-selling author of the book Let My People Know. He was very, very involved in the uh, Abraham Accords, which we are celebrating its third anniversary this week. He was very involved in the embassy opening in Jerusalem and many of the uh 
acts and legislation that involved America and Israel during the Trump administration. I'm lucky enough to call him a former neighbor. I wish I was where he is now. Uh, and Ariate, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. I just tell people I'm your friend. That's the only title I need. It's great to see you, and I'm so proud of all of your success. I'm really proud of you. I remember sitting in your dining room a week before you were going, and we were talking about things. And, and boy, now you're an international superstar, and you're a power player, and you were very involved in every single aspect of everything that was major during the Trump administration that involved uh, Israel, that involved America, and involved really Israel's relationships with other countries because of your relationship with Ambassador David Friedman. So tell us a little bit about that. So, look, Ambassador David Friedman is not only my mentor and was my boss, but he's also a hero of the American people and of the Jewish people. And and part of that is just understanding that being in the right place at the right time is not only a privilege, but it also has enormous responsibility. Uh, Most ambassadors, uh, the job, I don't want to say is a token because that doesn't I don't want to diminish at all what anybody else has done, but it can be a token. It can be a figurehead or it can be a working job. And and David Friedman, because of his connectivity with President Trump, chose on day number one or day number negative one, uh, before he was nominated, he decided this was going to be a working job. And it was his job to repair and enhance uh, and establish a new U.S.-Israel relationship. And and I was lucky enough to be chosen as his right hand. And my, my job was to take the less important stuff off of his plate so he can focus on the game-changing things that he so successfully did with Jared Kushner, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and obviously all working for for Donald Trump. So I want to bring up something that you uh, or continue what you brought up that really nobody ever discusses because you know other ambassadors, I know other ambassadors, and a lot of them take that as a figurehead position, taking advantage of dinners and and escorts and traveling. And David never did that. David was serious about it way before he even started the job. One of the best things he did was hire you. Uh, but he really took it seriously. And he, even today, he has a new film coming out. It's a passion of his to bring the best of Israel to, to not only Jews, but to everybody around the world. Because Israel is so important to Christian Zionists to moderate Arabs who live there and thrive there. And we don't discuss that enough, but that was very important to David. And I guess, you know, working with David, you saw that as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the lines that David liked to say all the time was that as a lawyer, he needed an alarm clock to wake up in the morning, which is true. He keeps late hours and he was not the best morning person. He likely is still not the best morning person. Uh, But during the time that we were overseas, he claims, and I believe him, he never needed an alarm clock because he was so excited what the next day would bring that you just leapt out of bed in the morning. And uh, and that was the case. I mean, it was every single day. I think we were the most visited country by the U.S. administration total in the four years, meaning there, there wasn't a cabinet member who didn't come, uh, senators, congressmen, governors, lieutenant governors, mayors, I think somebody who's running to be the postmaster general. I mean, you, you, you name the, uh, you name the position. Somebody came and a large part of that is because of the natural affinity 
that the U.S. has for Israel, which is important, as you said, to Christian Zionists, to Jews, to, to non-Jews, to the, the whole America and Israel have a deep connection. But also part of that is because, you know, Donald Trump was unique and David Friedman's relationship with Donald Trump was unique. And that was for a period of time, I think probably the strongest relationship that existed in the administration. And people wanted to see what it was that had the magic that David and Donald and the president and the ambassador were doing together. And you were a part of all of that. You were a part of it with Jared. You were a part of it with uh, Jason Greenblatt. You knew you, you were all you all worked together. And, you know, it wasn't just America. I mean, you guys worked with a lot of the other embassies. I mean, other embassies opened when the American one opened. I remember going to the Guatemala opening and uh, there's been talks. I have to tell you that one thing I'm very upset about that I know you are is that Really, Netanyahu wasn't formally invited to the White House, and maybe he's going now after a lot of pressure, but it's been years. This has unprecedented from either party. Well, this this is a flaw um, that needs to be addressed. The U.S., I think, has an obligation to support our democracies uh, around the world that we want to hold up and to elevate. And when we play politics with people elected by correctly elected uh by other democracies then then we're really enabling the bad guys meaning the autocracies and the tyrant tyrannies uh at the expense of the democracies and therefore whether it's bb or whether it's lapid or whether it's bennett or whether it's guns it shouldn't matter the u.s israel relationship shouldn't be biden trump obama bush it should be the u.s and israel and whether people like each other when the cameras are off or not uh, our two countries not only need to like each other, we need to support each other, we need to strengthen each other. And by not inviting Prime Minister Netanyahu directly and also engaging and involving in domestic issues in Israel over the course of the summer, uh, it's just not what friends do. And it, it weakens the premise of democracy around the world. Well, I say this over and over again on the show, and I'm going to repeat it because it fits in here perfectly. People think that America is like, you know, in charge of Israel or that Israel so dependent on America. That isn't the situation. First of all, it just came out that uh, Israel is either number one or two around the world for places to live. Tel Aviv is like, I think, number four. Israel has incredible um, relationships business-wise with India, with China, with Russia. That's why Russia now is talking about opening an embassy in in West Jerusalem. Uh, the irrigation that they do, that they've helped people in Africa. Nothing is for nothing. America benefits greatly from their relationship with Israel. And not just because it's the only democracy. There are so many advances, uh, the technology alone that around the world, people, Jewish and non-Jewish, benefit from. But two two things can be true at the same time. Number one is the United States of America is the undisputed superpower of the world. We on occasion don't treat it that way. And that's shame on us uh, in any administration doesn't do that. Donald Trump did a fantastic job of doing that. And President Biden less so. Um, so therefore, every other country uh, is more reliant on the United States than the United States is reliant on that. Just take that as a given. The United States is the superpower in the world. With that being the case... If you look around the world and see countries that contribute way above 
their population and their GDP and their geographic location. Israel is a top one, two, three, four country in the world that affects to the benefit how Americans live, how Americans grow, how Americans succeed and prosper, and frankly, how Americans are kept safe. So it's a critical relationship. And every time we knock it or diminish it, it hurts America. It doesn't hurt Israel. Israel will figure it out. It's just less good for us as Americans. So another big uh, topic that people discuss a lot, Mm and you probably have a lot of insight into, is will Saudi Arabia become the next Arab country to build relationships with Israel and uh, benefit the way the Israeli United Emirates has? So you're saying two things. Number one is, will they be next? Which means, will anybody else get there before them? And number two, will it happen? Here's one thing I will say definitively. The lexicon, the way people speak in the Middle East has gone from will countries make peace with Israel to win will countries make peace with Israel. And that's fantastic. That's changed the entire move in the Middle East. And the credit there goes certainly to President Trump and Jared Kushner, but even more than both of them, to the president of the United Arab Emirates, Mohammed bin Zayed, and his ambassador to the United States, uh, His Excellency, His Excellency Yusuf Al-Taiban. Uh, they were the ones who pushed that step forward with the help and support of the United States of America, and after them, followed by Reign and Kosovo and Sudan, and then ultimately Morocco, five countries in 123 days. Pretty impressive. Uh, <clears throat> will Saudi do that next? I, I hope so. Uh, you know, uh, this is a question of countries should be jumping, and there's a lot of talk about it today. To me, I'm skeptical only because of two things. It's very hard to imagine President Biden, who hasn't yet invited Prime Minister Netanyahu to the White House for the first time for them to be together uh, under both of their new administrations would be at a peace signing in between three countries. That would be great. It would just be unique. And President Biden, if you remember last year, when he went to visit Saudi Arabia, the whole talk was, would he fist bump or shake hands with the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, known as MBS? And my response to that is bear hug him. He is one of the greatest forces for modernity throughout the world, and certainly for Islam. The question isn't uh, fist bump or handshake. It's how hard can you hug him in order to make sure that he's successful in his path towards modernization? Well, he certainly hasn't been in the news a lot with hugging maybe the wrong people, but he should be hugging the right people. And uh, tell us what you are doing these days. So... You know, in my not-for-profit hat, I'm really anxious. I, I, a year ago, we spoke about my book, Let My People Know, which the reason why I wrote Let My People Know is because not enough people know about the Abraham Accords. And I was lucky enough and privileged enough to play a small role in it. And from my perspective, look, any relationship that is not nurtured has a chance of going sideways. Look at the Egypt and Jordan peace treaties. There is essentially an agreement not to shoot at each other. We don't want a Middle East where people agree not to shoot at each other. We want a Middle East where people agree to partner with each other to become more peaceful and prosperous. And if the administration is not going to support that plan, then then I will. And friends of mine will. And we want to try to make sure that the interconnectivity in between those countries uh, is thriving. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And then, uh, you know, uh, as a as a full-time gig, I try to earn a living uh, <clears throat> trying to put businesses together where um, 
perhaps it's a little bit more opaque. So U.S. opportunities investing in the GCC countries or taking Israeli technology and bringing it to places in Africa. What can we do in order to be able to expand the influence of the United States of America and Israel to countries that are still looking for that? That's fantastic. And if 45 becomes 47, would you be involved? Anytime any president would call and ask anybody to serve to not consider that incredibly strongly uh, would be a mistake. Putting on my little lapel pin, I'm not wearing a jacket at this moment, but I put on a lapel pin of the American flag every single day for four years. And and my heart leapt with pride, not not because of me, but because representing the United States of America is one of the single greatest privileges any human being can ever have. And uh, uh, doing that correctly, look, personnel is is, is policy. I, I hope that... Uh, uh, whomever becomes the next president will hire the right people who will execute on the vision that America is the superpower. And when we retreat, that vacuum is not filled by Costa Rica. Uh, it's filled by China, Russia, and Iran. Let, let's be strong. Let's be brave. And let's create peace. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you make us in the five towns in Nassau County in New York very proud uh, of you being one of our native people here who made it really big in the Trump administration. There were a few of you. And uh, again, tell everybody where they could buy the book. I can buy the book on Amazon at uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I assume my mother probably sells it out of her basement as well, but I'm not going to give out that address right now. Uh, so the book is called Let My People Know. Just search for it on the internet and and you can buy it. It's an inside story of the Abraham Accords, how it happened, and to me, more importantly, how we can expand upon them. Arie Lightstone, you're always welcome on the Jewess Patriot, and uh, you don't need an anniversary to come back on. Well, I'm grateful for that and continue working with the people, educating the people, and inspiring the people. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pro Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types ranging from Baroque Freshwater Pearls to Coin Pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi Pearls for all types of budgets and designs. You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterprocompany.com Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business. And we welcome you back in to the Jewess Patriot Show with Cindy Gross. My name, Drew Shelton. I am your American Patriot DJ. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Great conversation. You know, as we get ready to close this broadcast a little earlier than normal today, I, I just want to share with you that here we are in August, 
And August, you know, end of summer, school starts for most. Uh, it is the most of happiness happens month. So when I think about happiness, when I think about the world we're in, we just need to be more happy, right? I mean, uh, why not spread positivity? Why not practice self-care? Why not share your joy with those around you? Look, we talk about all the craziness in this show on other shows, you see the news, it's crazy. Let's slow down as our summer winds down. Let's get together with our family and friends and let's celebrate. Let's be happy. Again, August is Make the Most of Happiness Happens Month. I end the show the same every single week on all of my shows and all the platforms. Uh, it's very simple. Love somebody, be kind, choose joy, be happy. Let's celebrate. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Here's Taylor Swift. I'm not a Swifty, but here is happiness. Honey, when I'm above the trees, I see this for what it is. But now I'm right down in. All the years I've given is just shit we're dividing up Showed you all of my hiding spots I was dancing when the music stopped And in the disbelief I can't face reinvention I haven't met the new me yet There'll be happiness after you but there was happiness because of you both of these things can be true there is happiness past the blood and bruise past the curses and cries beyond the terror in the nightfall haunted by the look in my eyes that would have loved you for a lifetime
This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching the Jewess Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on the Jewess Patriot Show.